Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Who's enjoyed the Kingdom of God series? Yeah. Honestly, if you can catch it, if you can catch the Kingdom of God, it will change your life forever. And uh, I don't think we've really caught it as a church. I think the church worldwide is catching it. I think God's moving on it right now around the globe. It's interesting as I've studied for this series, I've seen a lot of churches around the globe start talk on the kingdom of God. And I think we need to catch it. Uh, it will change your life. And honestly, if you can catch the kingdom, I really want to encourage you to continue to study it. Don't just come to church on Sunday and get the preacher giving you the word of God. Actually get into this thing called the word of God, the Bible, and study it. I'd love you to pick up the kingdom of God and study it because I actually think it'll change your life. Jesus preached about it all the time. Actually, in, in the Gospels, you'll actually see preached about it a lot. I'm going to throw some numbers up. The term kingdom appears 53 times in 42 places in Matthew, 17 times in 13 places in Mark, 41 times in 29 places in Luke. And Luke refers to the kingdom of God 32 times and Mark follows this pattern 14 times. Matthew, on the other hand, prefers the term the kingdom of heaven 31 times. You see, when Jesus came to earth and these guys recorded in the scriptures, they record that he was talking about the kingdom of God. That's what he came to preach. And all through the parables, if you read the stories in the Bible, they're called parables, you'll see he's talking about the kingdom of God is like. It's so important for the church and for you to catch it. If you think about the context, now you'll hear me talk about context a lot. As a, as a pastor, I get really concerned that people pull scriptures out of context. So, you know, you'll pull a scripture out and, and there's been one that's floated around for a long time and, uh, and it gets quoted a lot, but it's wives submit to your husbands. And that's all they quote. So they go, you can create this whole doctrine about keeping women in submission under their husband. But the scripture actually says, wives submit to your husband. Husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. So in other words, die for your wife. It's interesting how you can pull part of it out and miss the whole story of the scripture. Now, when you actually start to study the scriptures and you pull the verse out, you then look at where that verse is in a chapter of a book, then you look at it in the, the context of the, say, the New Testament, then you look at it in the context of the whole Bible and you start to get a context of what God's saying, but actually the Bible's written in the context of the kingdom. So the overall context that we get our scriptures in is the kingdom of God. And if you can't see it through those eyes, you miss so much and you can get down little burrows where you get these things and go, oh, well, this is what it's about. And you see people all over the years get stuck on issues and they create this whole doctrine and they miss the point that it's about the kingdom of God. Our world, and you would have heard me talk about this, because we live in a democracy where there's the power to the people, we think we look at everything through the eyes of democracy. So we negotiate everything. Democracy is, about, democracy is about negotiation. You negotiate your way forward. 
and that's how it works. You'll see there's two parties in Australia, predominantly two parties in Australia, and they negotiate all the time. So they're there negotiating to get an outcome. But the kingdom of God's not like that. The kingdom of God is literally a kingdom. Now, when you think about kingdoms and you think about kingdoms in this world, and if you actually go back to the Old Testament, the people in those days, in, in the Jews, they wanted a king. And they said, hey, we want a king. And God said, well, you sure you've got one? I'm your king. And they said, no, 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 we want a, a, a real king. We want a king that's a person. So they put a king in. And then they lived with a person of the king rather than God as king. And you see, when people become kings, they get all power and it gets messed up. And that's what you see in the kingdoms of the world today. So if you go to the kingdom of Thailand, for example, it's a kingdom. And if you speak against the king, guess what? You end up in jail or dead. That's just the reality. But understand the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is with God as your king. Now, the power of that is, if you go to the Lord's Prayer, you probably have heard the Lord's Prayer. You may know it, but it says this. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. For and ever, ever, ever. Amen. And that's how we pray it, isn't it? How quick can we get through that prayer? But I want you to catch it because it's actually the prayer of the kingdom. It's really important to catch. See, it starts off talking about our future. First bit of it. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is such a powerful prayer for your future. It's such a powerful prayer for your family, for your workplace. Because, you know, we can have opinion and be praying an opinion, but actually when we pray, your kingdom come in my family, your will be done in my family, changes the context. It's not my will be done, but it's his will be done. And it's prayer for our future. And then you'll see it says, give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil one. That is the prayer for the now. So God's interested in your future. He's interested in your now. It's interesting that it says, give us this day your daily bread. Who's giving it? God's giving it. You see, when you've got a good king, and when you go to the first part of that scripture, you'll see our Father in heaven, your kingdom come. But a king is responsible for the constituents of the kingdom. He's got to provide security. He's got to provide provision. He's got to provide needs. And that's why when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it's talking about our provision for the day. So powerful, hey, when you can actually catch this. Then it says, lead me not into temptation, delivery from the evil one. I've told this story before, but I remember I was working for a company at the time called Warmold Security, and I was the Australian National Accounts Manager. And when part of that job was that I had a major account called Optus. That's who we were doing all the security for in Australia when they first started, so you know how long ago it was. Because some of you guys wouldn't realise that it started in our lifetime, probably. But So 
I was over in Perth working with the Optus Senior Management and we were looking at sites over there and, and, and we went out to dinner as you do when you're an account manager, you take people out to dinner and, and wine and dine them. And what they said is they said, we want to go to the casino. And I thought, I don't want to go to the casino. Because not good things happen in casinos. If you've ever been to one, we did security in casinos, and it's never good. All you see is lots of money go down a slot, and lots of money, and you see broken hearts, broken relationships, and it's horrible. So I said, and I prayed this prayer, lead me not into temptation. So we walk up after dinner, and we've been out to dinner, and we walk up to the, the doors of the Burwoods, Burswood Casino in Perth. And guess what? The guys had jeans on that I was with. They'd gone home and got changed out of their suit and they had jeans on. And the guy on the door said, you can't come in. Now you can go into, into casinos with jeans, I realise that. But in those days, long time ago, you couldn't. So they turned us away. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me for the evil one. You see, God's interested in your now. He's interested in your now. Then it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, forgive us for our sin, the things we've done wrong, the things, things that are not pleasing God. He's interested in our past. So you see, out of that one prayer, the Lord's Prayer, you can see that God's interested in your future, He's interested in your now, and He's interested in your past. The kingdom of God. God is interested in you. Now when we think about that that Scripture in the middle, give us this day our daily bread, and we think about that in the context of the kingdom of God. What happens is all week, if you're at work, you go to work and exchange your life for money. Yeah? If you go to work in this place or if you work part-time, you give away your time to get income in. That's how it works. And so we actually give our life away for money. That's what we're doing. And we're saying, God... You provide for us. Now, if you think about that and think about the currency of the kingdom, now if you, if you understand Australian currency, we've got our, our dollars, our, our $20, our $5, they're all plastic money, all right? And if I take that plastic money to America and I hand over an Australian $20 note, they look at me and go, what's that? And I've done this in America, and people have said about Australian dollars, and they look at it and go, is this toy money? It's plastic, because they've got all paper money. The currency of Australia does not work in America. It doesn't work. You've got to go to a currency exchange and change it into American dollars to work. There's a currency in the kingdom of God, and the currency in the kingdom of God is generosity. Are you generous? Because that's our currency as Christians. And I'm going to use a lot of scripture tonight. So the Holy Bible app, that little thing up there, if you jump onto the Bible app, you've got all these scriptures in there that you can go and check out later or check out now and make notes. But this is what it says, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19. A feast is made for laughter and wine makes weary, but money answers everything. The Bible recognises that money answers things. That you need money to live. You actually need money to actually live in this life we live. But 
Proverbs said in chapter 19, verse 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. (coughs) Whoever is generous to the poor, in other words, whoever is generous lends to the Lord. And this is what it says, and he will repay him for his deed. As you are generous, God's looking at it. If you're generous to the poor, if you give, have compassion kids or if you, you give out to poor people or if you give to people in need, God says he'll repay you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, it says, but do not forget to do good and share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. You see, the kingdom of God about generosity, it's not about ourselves; it's about others. And as we look at others, as we look at the work we do with Red Frogs, and you go into universities, and you go into schools, as we look at the work we do in our kids' ministry and, and helping family, as we do look at the work we do in Highlands Help and Hope, where we go into the community and we, we give stuff to people in need, like the floods down in, we were down at the floods down in Lismore. We took $20,000 down there just before Christmas and we gave it to families who'd lost everything. And you have single mums there who are going crying as they're getting a gift, going, they got a hamper and they got some money and they're going, wow, we can have Christmas now. But the power is you do good with such a God is well pleased. I like the fact that God is pleased. Don't you? I'd much prefer to God be happy with me than cranky. God is well pleased as we give to the poor. Acts chapter 30. Uh, 20 verse 35, as I've shown you in every way by labouring like this, that you must support the weak. In other words, you would be generous to those who are in need. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I remember years ago, we were in a church and the pastor's sound system, stereo had broken down. In those days, it was a stereo. It had CD players and cassette tapes long time ago and Moira and I went out and we bought a new stereo and we were carrying the box into the house we had our two kids with us so little kids then Sienna wasn't around so there were only two of them we, we went to the pastor's place with our stereo and we carried it in and we gave it to them because theirs had broken down and they were blown away but the thing I liked about it was what my kids experienced because they experienced generosity and they experienced the joy of it. And they said to us later, that was fantastic. It's so powerful if you can catch it. You see, when I talk about finances and when I talk about it tonight, don't get funny about money. Allow God to get in your life around this. Because God wants to bless you. Now, if generosity is the currency of the kingdom, the transport system of the kingdom in money is faith. So when years ago uh, in, in our movement of INC or what was Christian Outreach Centre then, I, I was praying, I was, I was the CEO at the time and, and I was praying saying, God, we've got to solve this issue. And we had an issue with the area of finance and and. We were, you know, we were trying to do a whole pile of different things with money overseas in Australia, planning churches and things. And one morning I was in the shower and, and God talks to me in the shower, probably because that's when my brain switches off long enough to hear him. He's probably talking all the time, but I may not be hearing him. And he said to me that very clearly, he said, you'll make money out of money. And I 
got out of the shower and got dressed and rang the, the chairman of the time then, a friend of mine called David McDonald, and I said, David, God's just spoken to me, we will make money out of money, we need to start a bank. And in the movement of churches we have, and one of the uniqueness of our movement is we actually have a treasury operation, a bank, that we lend all the money out to build buildings like this and plant churches. It's all in our world. And we, when, I, when that happened, I didn't know how to start a bank. So we went about starting a bank and found out how to do it. And one of the things I had to do was I had to actually find someone to deliver the transport of our money, not in cash, but in electronically, between the banks. So when you go to the bank and you put your, your, um, put your money in the bank and they turn it in and deposit it, it goes into your bank account and electronically it disappears and you, you need a transport system for it. We had an organisation an organization called INDU, I-N-D-U-E, was our transport system for money. It was all done electronically. But faith is the transport system of finance in the kingdom of God. I want you to catch it because... I've seen over the years people give in offerings and get disappointed. So when you give in an offering, and sometimes there's big offerings, we do it in August every year where we have our expansion offering, and it's an amazing time, and God really does move in those situations. But if you give and you haven't got faith for it, you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life. And let me show you some scriptures around it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel bought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament when this happened, there was two brothers, Cain and Abel. Both of them bought an offering. Cain bought an offering of grain and stuff, and Abel bought an offering of a sheep. But the difference wasn't the offering. God didn't care about the offering. He cared about the attitude that it was given with. And it says here that he gave a better offering because he did it by faith. And you think about the Hall of Fame. Now in Hebrews 11, it's known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. That's what it's known of. All the faith people are there throughout the scripture. And, and Paul listed them all. We think Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. It's not clear, but we think Paul wrote it. And he listed all these great people of faith. Abel is not listed in the Hall of Fame because of what he gave, but because of how he gave it. And honestly, I don't think God cares less about the amount we give. Because I don't think God's short. But he does care about how we give it. And it's so important when we think about money and we think about the kingdom of God. And tonight as we finish this series, I want you to catch it for finance because I want you to be blessed. I don't want you to be giving into offering or when, the, when we take an offering up that you give and you go, oh, well, there you go. I gave the church 20 bucks and nothing happened. I actually want to see you discover something of the kingdom and the power of it in faith. I can honestly say if you're not giving in faith, please don't give. If you're not giving in faith, please don't give. Because I actually want you to be blessed. And we as a church want you to be blessed. We want you to catch this. Because the reality is, if you give with faith, you can expect increase. If you give finance with faith, you can expect increase in that area.
Let me give you a couple of scripture examples. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over and put into your bosom. For the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Not only, it, it's, you see there's an abundance there. It's pressed down, flowing over. There's an abundance. I want you to catch the increase. Ephesians 3.20 Now him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or think according to the power of God working in us. Exceedingly abundantly more. In other words, you can expect increase. Philippians 4.17-19 says, Not that I, des I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Isn't that interesting? Because Paul's just talking about an offering here. So if you look at the context of this, as we talked about context, the context of Philippians, Philippians 4, he's talking about receiving an offering from people. He says, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is more, is that more be credited to your account. As we give, we can expect to God to move for us. I've received full payment and now have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that I've received from this fella, the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice. And I want you to catch this. Pleasing to God. You see, when we give and we give in faith, it's pleasing to God. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And my God will meet your, all of your needs according to his riches in glory. <clears throat> There's an expectation for increase in giving. 2 Corinthians 9.11, And you will be enriched and in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God wants us to catch this so that we can be generous on every account. As a church, you probably know we give out a lot of T-shirts. Andre was modelling one on the platform tonight. And we, we do a lot of things like that. We want to be generous. We, you can't buy a You Matter t-shirt. We'll only give you one. You can't actually buy one. You, you, actually, you can buy one. There was one in an op shop the other day and a person went and bought it. Um, but you can't buy one from here because we want to be generous. And someone said to me the other, a little while ago, said, why do we give away so much stuff? And I said to them, have we ever been short? We've never been short. Because if you're generous, God never leaves you short. Provided you give in faith. Now when you think about money, and because money is such an interesting thing, and, and we saw that Ecclesiastic scripture that said, but money answers everything. I'd love you to know what you're asking for. So in August, we do expansion and we, we always, in the expansion offering time, we get you to write a list out. So when you give in that offering, you've actually written out what you're believing God for. So effectively, what we're doing is, is we're teaching how to actually name what you're after. Now, if you think about when you go to the shops and you go to City Beach or you go to a shop, and you wander down, City Beach, what, what, no, which one, Andre? Tell me, tell me a shop. You're on pressure, he's going, no, so we put a bit of pressure. Ganda, okay. So we go to Ganda, and I see Lockie's there, and he goes to Ganda, and he gets out his $100, because it's expensive in Ganda. 
and he hands over to the guy behind the counter $100, what does the guy say to him? What do you want? Because if you just hand over 100 bucks, he goes, well, I don't know what, you got, what to do with it. What do you actually want? If you go to a, a, a butcher and you walk to the butcher and you hand him 40 bucks to buy something and you hand him the $40, what's he going to say to you? What do you want? And you want ribeye, okay? You don't want sausages. <laughs> You've got to name what you want. And when you're given an offering, you name what you want. Now, it's not your tithe. Your tithe is 10% and the tithe goes out and the tithe promises is that God says, I'll open the windows of heaven and going to pour out a blessing. Our offerings, we actually should name it. Now, let me give you some scripture around it. Mark chapter 10, verses 51 and 52. So Jesus answered him. Now, this guy's a blind guy um, and he's sitting on the side of the road. He's calling out to Jesus and, and Jesus answered him and said, what do you want for me to do to you? The guy's blind. Surely Jesus would have known what he wanted. Why did he make the guy ask? Because you need to name what you want. He might have only wanted 20 bucks or whatever it was in those days, a Damascus coin. And the man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, go on your way, your faith has made you well and immediately receive your sight and follow Jesus. It's really important we understand in our giving that we actually start to believe God specifically. And there's story after story after story of people who have started to, to say, God, this is what I need. Not, not just some random hand that $20 over and say, well, I don't know what I want, God, but actually say, no, God, this is what I want. This is what I'm believing you for. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And this is what it's interesting because it's talking about giving again. For what man is among you, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will you give him a serpent? Then if, if you then being evil know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven good, give good things to those who ask him? But what are you asking God for? What are you believing God for? What are you putting your faith behind? See, as a church, we want you to catch this. We want you to be blessed. We want you to walk in something in supernatural in the kingdom. And I don't think we understand where we started tonight that Lord's Prayer that said, Our Father... Our Father. And just like that scripture says, your Father who is in heaven will give you good things. Because we don't have the context. We look at it in our natural context. And sometimes people think God's just a God sitting up in heaven waiting for us to do something wrong so He can go, gotcha. But He's not. He's your father that wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have a fantastic future. His kingdom come in your life.
He wants to give you your now, your needs today. And he wants to deal with your past. And sometimes when I think we talk about money in church, people get wobbly about it. They get funny about money. I don't know why we do, but we do. Something about the church shouldn't ask for money or the church shouldn't do this or all the church wants is your money. It's not. We want you to be blessed. We want you to be like Paul says. We want, your in, you, want, we want you to increase and grow. It's okay to be wealthy. You know that? It's okay to be wealthy. And somehow the world looks and go, oh, well, the church should be poor. The church can't be poor. We've got to help literally the community we live in. You can't be poor and go down to Lismore in the floods and say, oh, well, here we are. God bless you. And they go, what? We haven't got any food. Our whole house got flooded. And you come and say, God bless you? No, when you go there with a gift and you say, hey, God bless you and you give them a hamper and you give them some money that they can have Christmas for their kids, they all of a sudden go, wow, the church can't do it if it's poor. You can't be generous if you've got no money. You can't be generous and go, oh, well, I want to bless somebody if you've got nothing to give. God wants you to be wealthy. I love the way Paul talks to Timothy about it. Command those who are rich in this present age. Not to be haughty. I love that word, haughty. Don't you reckon we should bring that word back? Haughty means prideful. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us, how, what does He give us? Richly. All things to enjoy. Isn't that interesting? God wants you to enjoy life. And sometimes I think Christians think we should be sucking lemons and look cranky. We should be the happiest people on earth. And God says, hey, richly all things to enjoy. And that says, let them do good. That they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that may, they may hold on to an eternal life. You see, our giving, when it's mixed with faith, doesn't just affect this world, it affects our next world. It affects eternal life. And sometimes we miss that. We think, oh, well, it's just for now. It's not. Because all the way through Scripture, God says, hey, your offerings come up before God. Hey, I'm well pleased in it. It affects you greater than this world. But it's so important that we're part of the kingdom and understand who we are in the kingdom, that we are literally, we're not just constituents of the kingdom, we're in the family of God. We've joined the family of God. So if you've given your life to Jesus in this place, you have a place of authority. You have a place in the kingdom. You see, it's not about religion. The kingdom of God is not about religion. It's not about what brand you have on. I grew up Anglican. It's not about being Anglican. It's not about being Catholic. It's not about being Baptist. It's not about being Church of Christ. It's not about being Highlands. It's about the kingdom of God. You see, it's not about joining the church. It's about becoming part of the kingdom. 
I love the way Jesus summed it up in John. He said, and Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. See, we enter the kingdom by being born again. It's a weird term. The guy Jesus was talking to at the time thought it was weird. He said, do I have to enter my mother's womb again? That's what he said, scripture says. He said, no, no, you don't get it. Romans 10, 9 explains it. It says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. In other words, you'll enter the kingdom of heaven. So I want to ask you tonight, are you in the kingdom or are you in religion? Are you in the kingdom or are you just a member of a church? Because there's power in the kingdom. That's where the power is. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, Lord. Help us to understand the kingdom. Father, we live in the democracy. We live in Australia. We live in our worldview. That We look at it from our perspective, Father, not your perspective. And Father, help us to understand that you are our Father and that you are our King, that you are our Provider, that you are our Redeemer. Father, as we dig around this area, and I pray as a church we continue to dig in this area to understand the power of the kingdom, to understand what authority you've given us. Father, you, you reveal to us these things. And just while every eye is closed and every head's bowed, I want to invite you into the kingdom invite you into what Jesus said you can't enter the kingdom unless you're born again maybe you've been in church all your life you've grown up in church maybe you've been in religion maybe you've never been in church and someone's invited you tonight and you've walked in and gone wow what is this but friend it's not enough just to know about God because that's religion you've got to know him to know him know him as a father know him as a friend know him as someone who wants to heal you set you free that's that God we serve so maybe in this place you've never asked Jesus in your, in your heart you've never said God I want you to come into my life I actually want to know you not just know about you I want to give you that opportunity just while no one's looking around if that's you You've never done that before or maybe you've been away from God and you're coming back to God tonight. I'd love you to raise your hand so I can see it, so I can pray with you. Just so I look across this room. I see that hand. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Look across this room right now. God's going to come into your life. Change your life forever. Change your life for the better. You see, life's better with Jesus than without him. Last time I'm asking you guys to look across this room as one person's given their life to Jesus. How about you? Don't go home without him, friend. Look across this room one last time. Thank you, Father. 
awesome. So good. Fantastic. Let's pray together. Hey, if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't raise your hand and you wanted to, why don't you pray this prayer with me? It's a really simple prayer, but a really powerful prayer. It says this, goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord, to be my, be my Saviour. Your kingdom come in my life. Your will be done in my life. Father, I thank you, you meet all of my needs. Father, my need for freedom. Father, my need for deliverance in areas, Lord. Father, I thank you, you forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. Tonight, Jesus, I ask you to make yourself so real to me. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.